welcome to the 17th and last episode of season one for the Very Hairy Podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, read to you by Talon. Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. It was Quirrell. You, gasped Harry. Quirrell smiled. His face wasn't twitching at all. Me, he said calmly. I wondered whether I'd be meeting you here, Potter. But I thought Snape. Severus? Quirrell laughed. And it wasn't his usual quivering treble, treble either but cold and sharp. Yes, Severus does seem the type, doesn't he? So useful to have him swooping around like an overgrown bat. Next to him, who would suspect stuttering Professor Quirrell? Harry couldn't take it in. This couldn't have been true. It couldn't. Snape tried to kill me. No, no, no. I tried to kill you. Your friend, Mr. Granger, accidentally knocked me over as you rushed to set fire to Snape at, at the Quidditch match. She broke my eye contact with you. Another few seconds and I've and I'd have gotten you off your broom. I've I'd man I'd have managed it before then. Snape hadn't been muttering the counter-curse trying to save you. Snape was trying to save me? Of course, said Quirrell coolly. Why else did you think he wanted to referee your next match? He was trying to make sure I didn't do it again. Funny, really. He needn't, he needn't have bothered if I could do anything. I couldn't do... He needn't have bothered... I couldn't do anything with Dumbledore watching. All the other teachers thought Snape was trying to stop Gryffindor from winning. He did make himself unpopular. And what a waste of time. When after all that, I'm going to kill you tonight. Quirrell snapped his fingers. Ropes sprang out of thin air and wrapped themselves tightly around Harry. You're too noisy to live, Potter. You're too noisy to live, Potter. Scurrying around the school on Halloween like that. For all I knew, you were... For all I knew, you'd seen me coming to look at... For all I knew, you'd seen me coming to look at what was guarding the stone. You let the troll in? Certainly. I, I have a special gift with trolls. You must have seen what I did to You must have seen what I did to the one in the chamber back there. Unfortunately, while everyone else was running around looking for it, Snape, who had already suspected me, went straight to the third floor to head me off. And not only did my troll fail to beat you in death, that three headed dog didn't even manage to bite Snape's leg off properly. Now wait 
quietly, Potter. I need to examine this interesting mirror. It was the only thing. It was the only. It was only then that Harry realized what was standing behind Quirrell. It was the mirror. It was the mirror of Irised. This mirror is the key to helping. Is the key to finding the stone. Said Quirrell. Quirrell murmured, tapping his way around the frame. Trust Dumbledore to come. Trust Dumbledore to come up with something like this. But he's in London. I'll be far away by the time he gets back. All Harry could think of doing was keeping Quirrell talking and stop him from concentrating on the mirror. I saw you and Snape in the forest. He blurted out. Yes, said Quirrell idly, walking around the mirror to look at the back. He was on to me by that time, trying to find out how far I'd got. He suspected me all along, trying to frighten me as though he could, when I have Lord Voldemort on my side. Quirrell came back out from behind the mirror and stared hungrily into it. I see the stone. I'm presenting it to my master. But where is it? Harry struggled against the ropes binding him, but they didn't give. He had to keep Quirrell from giving his whole attention to the mirror. But Snape seemed to hate, but Snape seemed to hate me too so much. Oh, he does," said Quirrell casually. "Heavens, yes. He was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know?" They loathed each other, but he never wanted you dead. But I heard you a few days ago, sobbing. I thought Snape was threatening you. For the first time, a spasm fiddled Quirrell's face. Sometimes, he said, I find it hard to follow my master's instructions. He's a great, great wizard, and I am weak. You mean he was in there in the classroom with you? Harry gasped. He's with me wherever I go, said Quirrell quietly. I met him when I traveled around the world, a foolish young man I was then, full of ridiculous ideals, ideas about good and evil. Lord Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil, there is only power, and those too weak to seek it. Since then, I have served him faithfully, although I have let him down so many times. He has had been very hard on me, Quirrell shivered suddenly. He does not forgive mistakes easily. When I failed to steal the stone from Gringotts, he was most displeased. He punished me. He decided, decided he would have to keep a closer watch. Quirrell's voice trailed away. Harry was remembering his trip to Diagon Alley. How could he have been so stupid? He'd seen Quirrell that very day, shaking a hand with him in the leaky cauldron. Quirrell cursed under his breath. I don't understand. Is the coil inside the mirror? Is the stone inside the mirror? Should I break it? Harry's mind was racing.
what I want more than anything else in the world at the moment, he thought, is to find the stone before Quirrell does. So if I look in the mirror, I should see myself finding it, which means I'll be able to see where it's hidden. How can I look without Quirrell realizing what I'm up to? He tried to edge to the left again in front of the glass without Quirrell noticing, but the ropes around his ankles were too tight. He tripped and fell over. Quirrell ignored him. He was still talking to himself. What does this mirror do? How does what does this mirror do? How does it work? Help me, master. And to Harry's horror, a voice answered. And the voice seemed to come from Quirrell himself. Use the boy. Use the boy. Quirrell rounded on Harry. Yes, Potter, come here. He clapped his hands at once, and the ropes binding Harry fell off. Harry got slowly to his feet. Come here, Quirrell repeated. Look in the mirror. Tell me what you see. Harry walked towards him. I must lie, he thought desperately. I must look and lie about what I see. That's all. Quirrell moved close behind him. Harry breathed in a funny in the funny smell that seemed to come from Quirrell's turban. He closed his eyes, stopped in front of the mirror, and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared looking at first. But a moment later his reflection smiled at him, put his hand into his pocket and pulled out a blood red stone. It winked and put it and put it the stone and put the stone back in its pocket. And as it did so, Harry felt something heavy drop into his real pocket. Somehow, incredibly, he'd gotten the stone. Well, said the quarrel impatiently, what do you see? Harry screwed up his courage. I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore. He invented I've I I've just won the health cup for Gryffindor. Quirrell cursed again. Get out of the way, he said. As Harry moved aside, he felt the sorcerer's stone against his leg. Dare he make a break for it? He hadn't walked five paces before a high voice spoke, though Quirrell wasn't moving his lips. He lies. He lies. Potter, come back here, Quirrell shouted. Tell me the truth. What do you see? The high voice spoke again. Let me speak to him. Face to face. Master, you are not strong enough. I have the strength. I have strength enough for this. Harry felt as if the devil's snare was rooting him to the spot. He couldn't move a muscle. Petrified, he watched as Quirrell reached up and began to unwrap his turban. What was going on? The turban fell away. Quirrell's head looked strangely small without it. When he turned slowly on the spot, Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make the sound. 
where they sh where there should have been the back to Coral's head, there was a face. The most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils like a snake. Harry Potter, it whispered. Harry tried to take a step backward, but his legs wouldn't move. See what I have become, the voice said, mere shadow and vapor. I have, I have form only when I share another's body. Folks there have always been a little willing to let me into their hearts and minds. Unicorn blood has strengthened me. These past weeks, he saw fateful quarrel drinking. These past weeks, he saw fateful quarrel drinking it for me for in the forest. And once I have the exlayer of life, I will be able to create. I will be able to create a body of my own. Now, why don't you give me that stone in your pocket? So he knew. Feeling suddenly, sur feeling suddenly surged back into Harry's legs. The feeling suddenly surged back into Harry's legs. He stumbled backwards. Don't be a fool, snarled the voice, the face. Better save your own life and join me, or you'll meet the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar, Harry shouted suddenly. Quirrell was walking backward at him, so that Voldemort could still see him. The evil face was now smiling. How touching he has. I always value bravery. Yes, boy, your parents were brave. They killed your father first, and he put up a courageous fight. But your mother needn't have died. She was trying to protect you. Now give me the stone unless you want her to have died in vain. Never. Harry sprang towards the flame door, but Voldemort screamed. Seize him. In the next second, Harry felt Quirrell's hand close on his wrist. At once, the needle-sharp pain seared across Harry's scar. His head felt as though he was it was about to split in two. He yelled, struggling with all his might. And to his surprise, Quirrell let go of him. The pain in his head lessened. He looked around wildly to see where Quirrell had gone and saw him hunched in pain, looking at his fingers. They were blistering before his eyes. Seize him, seize him, shrieked Voldemort again, and Quirrell lunged, knocking Harry clean off his feet, landed on top of him, both hands around Harry's neck. Harry's scar was almost blinding him with pain, yet he could see, yet he could see Quirrell howling in agony. Master, I cannot hold him. My hands, my hands. And Quirrell, though pinning Harry to the ground with his knees, let go of his neck and stared bewildered at his own palms. Harry could see they looked burned, raw, red, and sh burned, raw, red, and shiny. 
and kill him fully and be done. Squeeze Voldemort. Crow raised his hand to perform a deadly curse, but Harry, by instinct, by instinct, reached up to grab Crow's face. Arg! Crow rolled off of his face, blistering too, and then Harry knew. And then Harry knew, Quirrell couldn't touch his bare skin, not without suffering terrible pain. His only chance was to keep hold of Quirrell, keep him in enough pain to stop him from doing a curse. Harry jumped to his feet, caught Quirrell by the arm, and hung his, on as tight as he could. Quirrell screamed and tried to throw Harry off. The pain in Harry's head was building. He couldn't see. He couldn't see. He could only hear Quirrell's terrible shrieks and Voldemort's yells of "Kill him! Kill him!" and other voices, maybe in Harry's own head, crying, "Harry, Harry!" He felt Quirrell's arm wrench from his grasp. He he knew all was lost, and fell into black blackness. Down, down, down. Something gold was glinting just above him. A snitch! He tried to catch it, but his arms were too heavy. He blinked. It wasn't a snitch at all. It was a pair of glasses. How strange. He blinked again, and the smiling face of Albus Dumbledore swam into view above him. Good afternoon, Harry, said Dumbledore. Harry stared at him. Then he remembered. Sir, the stone! It was Quirrell! He's got the stone, sir, quick. Calm yourself, dear boy. Calm yourself, dear boy. You are a little behind the time. You are a little behind the times, said Dumbledore. Quarrel does not have the stone. And who does, sir? I, Harry, please relax, or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. Or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. Harry swallowed and looked around him. He, re he realized he must be in the hospital wing. He was lying in bed with a white lint with he was lying in a bed with white linen sheets. And next to him was a table piled high with what looked like half the candy shop. Tokens from your friends and admirers, said Dumbledore, beaming. And what happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret. So naturally, every, so naturally, the whole school knows. I believe your friends, Mr. Fred and George Weasley, were responsible for trying to send you a toilet seat. No doubt, they thought it would, it would amuse you. Madame Pomfrey, however, felt it might not be very hygienic, and, confis and confiscated it. How long have I been here? Three days, Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Granger will be most relieved to see you have come around. They have been extremely worried. But sir, the stone. I see you're not you're not to be distracted. Very well. The stone, Professor Quirrell did, didn't very well. The stone very well. The stone. Professor Quirrell did not manage to take it from you. I arrived in time to pre prevent that. Although you were doing very well on your own, I must say. You got there? You got Hermione's owl? You must have crossed in the air. 
No sooner had I reached London than I come, that it became clear to me that the place I should have been was the one I had just left. I arrived just in time to put quarrel off of you. Poke quarrel off of you. It was you. I feared that I might be too late. You nearly, you nearly were. I couldn't have kept him off the stone much longer. Not the stone, boy, you. The effort involved nearly killed you. The one terrible moment that I was afraid it had. As for the as for the stone, it has been destroyed. Destroyed? Said Harry blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, you know about Nicholas. Said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You, you did do the thing properly. You did do the thing properly, did you? Didn't you? Well, Nicholas and I have had a little chat, and we agreed it was for the best. But doesn't that mean he and his wife will die? Won't they? But that means he and his wife will die, won't they? They haven't. They have enough exclaims sorted out for the rest of the affair to, to set their affairs in order, and then yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of at the look of amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I am sure it seems incredible, but but to Nicholas and Cornelli, it it really is like going to bed after a very very long day. After all, to the well organized mind, death is for the next great adventure. You know, the stone was really not such a the stone was really not such a wonderful thing. As much money in life, as much money in life as you could want. The two things most human beings, the two things most human beings would choose above all. The trouble is, humans do have a knack for choosing precisely those things that are worst for them. Harry lay there, lost for words. Dumbledore hummed a little and smiled at the ceiling. Sir, said Harry, I've been thinking. Sir, even if the stone is gone, Vol I mean, you know who. Call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of, fear of a name increases the fear of a thing itself. Increases the fear of the thing itself. Yes, sir. Well, Voldemort. Well, Voldemort is going to try other ways of coming back, isn't he? I mean, he hasn't gone. He hasn't gone, has he? No, Harry has not. He has not. He's still out there somewhere. Perhaps looking for another body to share. Not yet truly alive. Not being... Not being truly alive, he cannot be killed. He left Quirrell to die. He he shows just as little mercy as it, to his followers as his enemies. Netherless Harry, Netherless Harry, while you may, while you may only have delayed his return to power. It was merely, 
it will merely take someone else who is prepared to fight what seems like a losing battle ne next time. And if he is delayed again and again, why, he may never return to power. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly, because it, because it made his head hurt. Because it made his head, his head hurt. Then he said, Sir, there's, there are some other things I'd like to know, if you can tell me. Things I want to know the truth about. The truth, Dumbledore sighed. It is a beautiful thing. It is beautiful and it is a beautiful and terrible thing, and should therefore be treated with great treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to, which in case I beg you, you'll, which in case I beg you'll forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him from killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you ask me, I cannot tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it from your mind for now, Harry. When you're older, I shall... I know you hate to hear this. When you're ready, you will know. And Harry knew it would be no good to argue. But why couldn't Quirrell touch me? Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He did not realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. No visible sign. To have been loved so deeply... Even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is in your very skin. Quarrel, full of hatred and greed and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked with something so good. Dumbledore now became very interested in a bird out on the windowsill which gave Harry the time to dry his eyes on the sheet. When he had found his voice again, Harry said, And the invisibility cloak, do you know who sent it to me? Ah, your father happened to leave it in my possession, and I thought you might like it. Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. Useful things, your father. Useful things. Your father mainly used it for sneaking off to the kitchens to steal food when he was here. And there was something else. Fly away. Snape quarrel and said Snape. Professor Snape Harry. Yes, him. Quarrel said he hates me because he hated my father. Is that true? Well, they did rather detest each other. Not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy. And then your father did something Snape could never forgive. What? He saved his life. What? Yes, said Dumbledore dreamily. Funly, funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Professor Snape couldn't bear being in your father's depths. I do believe. He worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt it would make him, make him and your father even. And then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Harry tried to understand. 
try to understand this, but it made his head pound, and it, so he stopped. And sir, there's one more thing. Just one? How did I get stone out of the mirror? Ah, now I'm glad you asked me that. It was one of my more brilliant ideas. And between you and me, that's saying something. You see, only one who wanted to only one who wanted to find the stone. Only one who wanted to find the stone. Find it, but not use it. Would be able to get it. Otherwise they just see themselves making making gold or drinking or drinking X layer of life. My brain surprises me. My brain surprises me. My brain surprises even me sometimes. Now enough questions. I suggest you make a start on these sweets. Ah, Bertie Bot's every flavor beans. I was unfortunate enough in my use to come across a vomit flavored one. And since then I'm afraid I've rather lost my liking for them. But I think I'll be safe with a nice toffee, don't you? He smiled and popped a golden brown bean in his mouth. Then he choked and said, Alas, earwax. Madame Pomfrey, the nurse, was a nice woman, but very strict. Just five minutes, Harry pleaded. Absolutely not. He let Professor Dumbledore in. Well, of course, that... That was the headmaster. Quite different. You need rest. I'm resting, Luke. Lying down and everything. Oh, go on, Madam Pumphrey. Oh, very well, she said. But five minutes only. And she let Ron and Hermione in. Harry! Hermione looked ready to fling her arms around him again, but Harry was glad to, was glad she held herself she held herself in as his head was still very sore. Oh Harry, we were sure we were sure you were going to Dumbledore was so worried. The whole school was talking about it, said Ron. What really happened? It was one of those rare occasions when the true story is even more strange and exciting than the wild rumors. Harry told them everything. Quarrel, the mirror, the stone, and Voldemort. Ron and Hermione had, were a very good audience. They gasped at all the right places. And when Harry told them what was under Quarrel's turban, Hermione screamed out loud. So the stone's gone, said Ron finally. Flamel's just going to die? That's what I said. But Dumbledore thinks that. What was... Think that. What was... What was it? The well-organized mind. Death is but another great adventure. I always said he was off his rocker, said Ron, looking quite impressed at how crazy his hero was. So what happened to you two? Said Harry. I brought Ron. I brought Ron round. That took a while. We were dashing up to the Owlery to contact to contact Dumbledore. When we met him in the entrance hall, he already knew. He just said, "Harry's gone after him, hasn't he?" And he hurtled off to the third floor. You think he'd meant 
You think he meant you to do it? Said Ron, sending your father's cloak, sending you your father's cloak and everything. Well, Hermione exploded. If he did, I mean to say that's terrible. You could have been killed. No, it isn't," said Harry thoughtfully. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he just—he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more, th more or less, everything that goes on here. You know, I reckon he had a—he had a pretty good idea what we were going—we were going to try and—we were going to try. And instead of stopping us, he just taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he left. He let me find out how the mirror worked. It almost like he thought I had the right. I and almost like he thought I had the right to face. It's almost like he thought I had the right face, Voldemort. If I could. Yeah, Dumbledore's off his rocker, all right," said Ron proudly. "Listen, we've got to be up for the end of the year feast tomorrow. The points are all in, and Slytherin won, of course. You missed the last Quidditch match. We were steamrolled by Ravenclaw without you, but the food will the food will be good." At that moment, Madame Pomfrey bustled out. You've had nearly 15 minutes now. You've had nearly 15 minutes now. Out, she said firmly. After a good night's sleep, Harry nearly felt back to normal. I want to go to the feast, he told Madame Pomfrey as they straightened, as she straightened his many candy boxes. I can, can't I? Professor Dumbledore says you are to be you are to be allowed to go, she said stiff, sniffly, sniffly, as though, in her opinion, Professor Dumbledore didn't know how risky feasts could be. She said sniffly, as though she, in her opinion, Dum Professor Dumbledore didn't realize how risky feasts could be. And you have another visitor. Oh good, who is it? Hagrid sidled through the door as he spoke. Sat, sidled through the door as he spoke. As usual, when indoors, Hagrid was too big to be, looked too big to be allowed. He sat down next to Harry and took one look at, took one look at him and burst into tears. It's all my ruddy fault, he sobbed, his face in his hands. I told the evil get out to get Prince Fluffy. I told him, and it, was, and it was for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be checked out and made to live as a muggle. Hagrid, said Harry, shocked to see Hagrid shaking with grief and remorse, great tears leaking down his beard. Hagrid, he'd, he'd have found out somehow. This is Voldemort we're talking about. He'd have... 
And he'd have found out even if you hadn't told him. You could have died said Hedwig. Don't say the name. Voldemort. Harry bellowed. And Hagrid was so shocked he stopped crying. I met him. I met him and I'm calling him by his name. Please cheer up, Hagrid. We saved the stone. It's gone. We can't use it. Have a chocolate frog. I've got loads. Hagrid wiped his nose on the back of his hand and said, That reminds me, I've got you a present. It's not a stoat sandwich, is it? Said, ha said Harry anxiously. And at last, Hagrid gave a weak chuckle. <clears throat> nah, Dumbledore gave me the day off yesterday to fix it. Of course, he should have sacked me instead. Anyway, I got you this. It seemed to be... It seemed to be a handsome, leather-covered book. Harry opened it curiously. It was full of... It was full of wizard's photographs. Smiling and waving at him, from every page were his mother and father. Sent our owls off to your parents' old school friends, asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Do you like it? Harry couldn't speak, but Hagrid understood. Harry made his way down to the end-of-year feast alone that night. He had been held up by Madame Pomfrey fussing about, held up by Madame Pomfrey fussing about, insisting on giving him one last checkup. So the great, on giving him one last checkup. So the great hall was already full. It was decked out in slithering colors of green and silver to celebrate Slytherins winning the House Cup for the seventh year in a row. A huge banner showing the Slytherin serpent covered the walls, covered the wall behind the high table. When Harry walked in there, there was a sudden hush. Then everybody staring, started talking loudly at once. He slipped into a seat between Ron and Hermione at the Gryffindor table and tried to ignore the fact that people were standing up to look at him. Fortunately, Dumbledore arrived a moment later. Moments later, the babble died away. Another year gone, he said cheerfully, and I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle about before we sink our teeth into our delicious feast. What a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are a little fuller than they were. You have the whole summer ahead to get them nice and empty before you come before next year starts. Now as I understand it, the house cup here needs a warding. And the points stand thus. In fourth place, Gryffindor with 312 points. In third, Hufflepuff with 342 Ravenclaw has 426, and Slytherin has 472. A storm of cheering and stamping broke out from the Slytherin table. Harry could see Draco Malfoy banging his goblet on the table. It was a sickening sight. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherins, said Dumbledore. However, recent events must, must be taken into account. The room was very still. The Slytherin's smile so had faded almost. Ahem, said Dumbledore. 
have a few last minute coins to dish out. Let me see. Yes. The first. First. To Mr. <coughs> to Mr. Ronald Weasley. Ronald purple in the face. He looks like a radish with a with a bad sunburn. One minute needs some water. <sighs> well, the best played game of chess Hogwarts has ever seen in many years. I award Gryffindor House fifty points. Gryffindor's cheers nearly ways raised the bewitched ceiling. Okay. Oop, lost my place. Sorry. Gryffindor's cheers and they nearly raised the bewitched ceiling to the stars overhead. Nearly raised the bewitched ceiling. The stars overhead seemed to quiver. Percy could be heard, heard telling the other prefects, My brother, you know, my youngest brother, got past McGonagall's giant chess set. At last there was silence again. Second to Miss Hermione Granger, for the use of cool logic in the face of fire, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Hermione buried her face in her arms. Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. Gryffindors stood up, up and down the table, or beside themselves. They were a hundred points out. Third to Mr. Harry Potter, said Dumbledore. The room went deadly quiet. For pure nerve and outstanding courage, courage I award Gryffindor House 60 points. The din was deafening. Those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew that Gryffindor had now 472 points. Exactly the same as Slytherin. They had tied for the house cup. If only Dumbledore had given Harry just one more point. Dumbledore wet raised his hand. The room gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Therefore, I award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Someone standing outside the Great Hall might, have, might well have thought some sort of explosion had taken place. So loud was the whole... So loud was the whole noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. A pile of people hugging him. Lost my place again. Someone standing outside the Great Hall might have well thought some sort of explosion had taken place. So loud was the noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, white, in, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. He had never won at so much as a point for Gryffindor before. Harry was 
Harry, still cheering, nudged Ron in the ribs and pointed at Malfoy's face. At Malfoy, who could have looked more stunned and, and horrified if he had just been hit. Who couldn't have looked more stunned and horrified as if he had just had the bloody Baron curse, uh, as if he had just had the body bind curse put on him. Which means. Dumbledore called over the storm of applause, <clears throat> for even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff were celebrating the downfall of Slytherin. We need a little change of decoration. He clapped his hands, and in an instant, the green hangings became scarlet, and the silver became gold. The huge Slytherin serpent vanished, and towering vanished and a towering Gryffindor lion took its place. Snape was shaking Professor McGonagall's hand with a horrible forced smile. He caught Harry's eye, and Harry knew at once that Snape's feeling towards him hadn't changed one jolt. This didn't worry Harry. It seemed as though life would be back to normal next year, or as normal as it ever was at Hogwarts. It was the best evening of Harry's life, better than winning at Quidditch or Christmas or knocking down or knocking out a mountain troll or knocking out mountain trolls. He would never ever forget tonight. Harry had almost forgotten that the exam results were were still to come, but they didn't were still to come. They did. To their great surprise, both he and Ron passed with good marks. Hermione, of course, had got the best grades of the first years. Even Neville scrapped through, scraped through. His good herbology marks made up for his admissible potions one. And they had hoped, they had hoped Goyle, who was almost as stupid as he was mean, might be might be thrown out. But he passed too. It was a shame, but Ron said you couldn't have everything in life. And suddenly, their, award, their ro- wardrobes were empty, their trunks were packed, and Neville's toad was found lurking in a corner of the toilets. Notes were handed out to all the students, warning them not to use magic over the holidays. I always hope they'll forget to give us these, said Fred Weasley sadly. Hagrid. Hagrid was... There to take them down. Hagrid was there to take them down to the fleet of boats that sailed across the lake. They were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing as the countryside became greener and tidier, eating birdie bots every flavor beans as they sped past. As they sped past Muggle towns, pulling off their wizard robes and putting on jackets and coats, pulling. And to platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross Station. It took quite a while for them to get off the platform. A weazened old guard was up by the ticket barrier, letting them go through the gate twos and threes, so they didn't attract attention by all bursting out of a solid wall at once and alarming muggles. You must come. You must come over and stay with. You must come over and stay this summer, said Ron. Both of you, I'll send you an owl. 
Thanks, said Ron. Uh, thanks, said Harry. I'll need something I'll need something to look forward to. People jostled them as they moved forward towards the gateway back to muggle back to the muggle world. Some of them called Bye Harry, see you Potter. Still famous, said Ron, grinning at him. Not where I'm going, I promise you, said Harry. He, Ron, and Hermione passed through the gateway together. There he is. There he is, Mum. There he is, look. It was Jenny Weasley, Ron's younger sister. But she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter, she squealed. Mom, look, I can see. Be quiet, Jenny. It isn't rude. It's rude to point. Mrs. Weasley smiled down at them. Busier, she said. Very, said Harry. Thanks for the fudge and the sweater, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, it was nothing, dear. Ready, are you? It was Uncle Vernon. Still purple-faced, still mustached, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry, carrying an, carrying an owl in a cage in a station full of ordinary people. Behind him stood Ampetunia and Dudley, looking terrified at the sight of Harry. You must be Harry's family, said Mrs. Weasley. In a matter of speaking, said Uncle Vernon. Hurry up, boy, we haven't got all day. He walked away. He hung back He hung back for a last word with Ron and Hermione. See you over the summer, then. Hope you have a good, er, uh, hope you have a good, er, uh, holiday. I hope you have, er, uh, a good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon, shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry. They were surprised at the grin that was spreading over his face. They don't know we're not allowed to do... They don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. This has been the 17th episode of a very hairy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and see you in season two. Thank you.